Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead. It has been a very adventurous past three weeks. Yeah, kind of crazy. It's been, we have learned and experienced so much. So today we're just going to share what we've been learning and doing the past three weeks here on the farm. Yeah, I think we might have gotten to the next level of homesteader. I feel legit. Whatever, I don't know what level we're at. <laughs> Whatever we were, we, we just bumped up one. I feel like a legit homesteader at this point. Yeah, I think so. After what we've been doing. So, so we're going to do a farm update here about mostly about the cows because it's been a lot to do with the cows lately. And and my herbs, there's been some herbal updates. Yes, right. <laughs> okay, so first off is our cow, our meat cow Corona went to the butcher and that has been stressful and exciting and all kinds of things, but we have a wonderful farmer down the street and he offered to take her to the butcher. He goes there every week anyway. And that was an amazing gift to us that, so he came by and he brought his trailer by and I had decided to have everything set up and ready for him when he got here. Well, one thing you have to know about cows to understand this story is cows do not like change. So you might picture, oh, I got to take the cow to the butcher. The cow will walk gently and lovingly into the trailer. Cows don't do that. Cows don't do new things. Yeah. I've read lots of stories. I'm pretty sure almost everybody who's dealt with cows has some kind of story about trying to get them on a trailer and it can be just, I mean, it can take hours. It can be the most crazy thing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I went down into the field to bring her up, which I've done a hundred times. I mean, that, that this wasn't supposed to be a big deal. And she decided she didn't want to come. So I'm chasing her all around the field. And there's all these clumps of trees, which allow her to kind of loop, loop to loop me. <laughs> so I can't just, you know, I, I, I can kind of herd her in one direction, but then she was going around these clumps of trees and, and making it. I was watching from the window and it looked pretty crazy. I, I feel bad. There wasn't really much I could do to help you. Right. Chase this cow. But I wanted to help. Well, first I was like, well, I'll just watch him and I'll just pray for him because I can't do anything. And then I was like, I really should go help. (laughs) I'm not, I mean, Pete's really strong and tall. You're like six, four. I'm kind of like six, three, whatever. I'm kind of like a six, four skinny girl. I like, I did not want to have this cow running and I'm, I'm just not there yet. Maybe someday I can be out there helping you round up the cows, but I'm just not there yet. But I felt like I should help. So I came out with like a pot. Yeah. You were going to bang a pot. (laughs) I thought maybe I would scare her to you or something. I "I can bang a pot. And you're like, that's not helpful. <laughs> well, yeah. I wanted to do something. Let's freak her out even more by banging pots. <laughs> anyway, so I finally got her up into her stall, and then I was going to get her into the middle of the barn. It's one of these barns that has a middle hallway with the stalls on the side. So I got her up to a stall, and at that point I figured I was good, and I was going to put her in the middle, and I had done this the night before. I mean, I put some feet out in the middle and just let her. She walked out, ate it, and walked right back, and it wasn't a big deal. Um, and I had this gate system set up. So that she would be stuck on like the very end of the barn, the farmer would be able to back his his trailer up, open the door, and there would only be one place for her to go. So anyway, she did not want to go in the middle at all. And I was I was I mean, you gotta be really careful in a stall because she was more freaked out probably than I'd ever seen her. And I'm in a 
10 by 10 enclosed space with her and I don't want to, you know, get a cow foot to the, to the head or something. So I'm trying to be really careful. I finally get her into the middle and she does not want to be there at all. So the farmer is there at that point, he's backing up his trailer and I thought I had a very secure gating system set up, which it, it felt secure until there was a huge 1200 pound animal who decided she didn't want to be in it anymore. <laughs> so she's like pushing against it. She well, rammed, she was, she just decided to come hit Well, at, at that me. point, the farmer wasn't there yet. So, right. so what happened was Pete was trying to get the cow in the center, everything set up. So when the farmer came, we were ready for him. And while you were waiting, cause we were waiting yeah, for I a little waiting. bit, then she started ramming against the gate. Yeah. She just decided she was going to go right through the corner of the gate so I'm like pushing with all my weight against it oh to keep gosh. it from snapping where, where it was attached and then and just hollering at her. To, and she's never once not backed down from me. She always backs down from me. Uh, and she just decided she wasn't going to back down. So that was pretty tense. Oh, my gosh. She finally did back down. And then right at that moment, the farmer opened up the... Well, no, she tried to jump through the... Remember she tried to jump over the door? Yeah, she did try and jump over through through an opening there and was, it got stuck. There was a door, so there's a stall door next to her. Yeah. So the stall door, how many feet would you say the stall door is? It's like four feet up, maybe four and a half, five feet, something. No, it's it's pretty high. She cannot get over it, but she almost did. Yeah, she ju- you said she jumped over. She kind of got stuck halfway, halfway. And, then, and then went back. Anyway, yeah, we opened up the gate, and she just ran right into the trailer. That part went well. And long story short, <laughs> I learned a lot about making this much more secure. When it's time to, to move a cow, get a cow to do something that, that the cow doesn't want to do. So, yeah, that was it was pretty crazy. Super intense. Lots of adrenaline. Yeah, so she went to the butcher. She went to the butcher. From that point forward, then, it was, it was like, great. The farmer has her. He can take care of her, and she's going to the And butcher. he has more systems because he does this every week. So, you know, we he knows what he's doing. So he took her, he took her to the butcher. Yeah. And I guess she hung at the butcher for two weeks. Yeah. Which, so there was people ask, you know, how the kids handle that. I don't think the kids cared that much. This has not been a cow that we got attached to, yeah. our beef cow. But there was a real sadness to it. Like, yeah. I've I've processed chickens before, and and that was sad too. But it wasn't this sad. It was like this is this, this proud mammal with with a lot of dignity, and and it was I felt the sacrifice of it. Yeah, when I was watching her, I looked at her before she went on the truck, and. We hadn't gotten attached to her, so it wasn't this, you know, the kids weren't crying. or We knew from the beginning she was going to go to the butcher. But there was definitely this reverence of, wow, this is a big deal. This isn't something that should be done on just some, to me, it just doesn't feel like it should be done on a massive scale with no thought to it. It's okay to feel the sadness. Right. That's okay. When, yeah, when my, there's death involved, we felt the sadness of it. Yeah, my friend texted me and said, Great life, one bad day. Yeah. And I think that's how it is. Great life out here on the farm, uh, eating grass and, and being out in the wild. Not in the wild, but out, out in the fields and then one bad day. Mm-hmm. And and there's a sacrifice that comes with life. You know, for there to be new life and for us to get our calories, there is a sacrifice involved. And I think it's... I was grateful to be able to experience that. Yeah. And to actually see it and feel it. And we're so much more thankful to the meat. We're thankful to the animal. It's just the way that it's meant to be. We, we don't need to just push away. We want to push away all sadness or negative emotion. Just give my meat to me. Don't make me think people are like, I couldn't do that. 
I just want my meat and I don't want to think about it. Right. That's not the way it's meant to be. You should think about it. You should be thankful for it. Right. There was a life involved. <laughs> right. So she hung for two weeks and then we got her back from the butcher in freeze-dried packages. Not freeze-dried, um, uh, shrink-wrapped yeah. packages. 763 pounds of meat. I'm telling you, families, a beef cow is the way to go. Oh, my goodness. 763 pounds. We had two freezers, and they're both completely full. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It felt so good. So we had our first steak dinner last night, and oh, my goodness, I've had good steak in my life. Nothing tops the steak that we had last night. Best steak of my life. Oh, my gosh. It just melted in your mouth. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. So talk about how you cooked it. Okay, so this is important. I've heard uh, Joel Salatin and another farmy, farmer, Darby Simpson, talk about this, is that not only are they selling their meat, their grass-fed beef, but they're also having to spend time teaching their customers how to cook it. Mm-hmm. So the the beef that you buy from the store is going to be almost always from grain-fed cows. And if you've seen a grain-fed, a grain-fed cow right before it goes to slaughter... It's like, it's an obese looking cow. I mean, they're just, they're fat all over. They've packed on so much weight. And then the meat looks like that. It's very, very high in fat to the point that you can just cook it pretty much however you want. And it's going to turn out okay because there's so much fat in the meat. Mm -hmm. So your, your grass fed beef is going to be a lot more lean and that's healthier for you, but you can't just be so flagrant about the way you cook it. So you have to learn how to cook grass-fed beef. And so what we did is called the reverse sear. And it's, you know, if you, if you think that people sear meat and then cook it, it's the opposite of that. So you're cooking it at a very low heat. We cooked it at about 220 degrees in the oven and it takes a little bit longer, but these were steaks. It didn't take that long. They're like an inch and a half thick steaks. Cook it at 220 and then once the meat's done, then I took it out to the grill, which was as hot as I could get it. Wait, wait, what temperature did you get it up sides. to? What temp- in the oven, what temperature did you get up to? One in the one. oven, I got up to 115 degrees oh, 115. in the middle. Okay. Yeah, 115 degrees. So it's mostly, it's getting close to being cooked at that point. Rare is 130. So then you, we, I seared it on each side for about three minutes. And at that point, the middle was, was brought up to a nice medium rare. And the outside was, was good. It was. It was the best steak of it my life. It was so good. And they were, they were, that was the sirloins. That wasn't even any of the, the super top shelf ribeyes or New York strip or fillets or anything. Yeah, we also got all the bones for bone broth. Yeah. And yeah, we we're going to have bone broth all winter. Oh, I didn't tell you. I was, did I, so we got the tongue, <laughs> too. One of, our, one of yeah. your friends was telling me how to cook well, the tongue. The, 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 I don't know. I'm not there They were there like, yet. what do you want? Do you want the tongue, the kidneys, the heart, <laughs> the liver? I was like, I'll take it all. I don't even know what I'm going to do with, with most of that stuff. But Yeah, that, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I don't know if I can eat cow yeah. tongue yet. But I, I just do figured have, we'd give it to the dogs, if nothing else. Well, I was thinking you could have some of your crazy guy friends over, and you all can eat ta- cow tongue. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if I'm doing that. We'll see who's crazy enough. <laughs> yes. So... You know who you are. We'll be calling you up. We'll be calling you over for cow tongue. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the meat was amazing. And yeah, now that makes us feel kind of legit. There's been this idea that we're going to have our own meat someday. Yeah. Yeah. Like this theory, like I, I guess one day we'll have our meat, but I don't even really know. And yeah. now, now we've got freezers full of it. And yeah. then I was also just curious, like, is this going to taste good? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be... Is it going to taste like some kind of, of like tough, right. gamey meat? Yeah. And it, it, we had meatballs. They were incredible. And then we had steak, and it was incredible. Like, it was the best meat I've ever had. It's as fresh, probably, as I've ever had. 
Yeah. I'm going to become a family beef cow evangelist. Like if you want an animal to start with and you don't want to milk a cow every day, just get some beef cows out on your property. Yeah. Cause you, I mean the amount of meat that we got, we got thousands of dollars of meat, oh, of yeah. good, healthy meat. I mean, grass-fed beef at retail is incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. It's hard for people to buy. Just the ground beef around here, you're going to pay at least $5 a pound for it. Just the ground beef for mm-hmm. grass-fed beef. It's it's so expensive. Right. and But it's really good for you. It's the way that it's meant to be. So just doing it yourself, it's pretty awesome. So yeah, that's a Corona, the beef cow. That was a great learning experience. Now we want to have more beef cows. We're really into it now. Yeah. Well, we get to experience the payoff and the yeah. payoff is now freezers full of meat. And, uh-huh. and I feel like we're done buying meat from the store. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll get bacon every once in a while from the local farmer. Other than that. Yeah. I think when you're homesteading, you don't even know what you're going to really get into until you experience it and you find your niche and your favorite thing. So we're loving the beef right now. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, we also are dairy cow gave birth to a little baby cow. Right, full circle of life. So Uh we said goodbye to our meat cow, and now we've got a baby cow. Yeah, it was about two days later we had a baby cow. Little bull cow. Perfect timing. So we've been praying. So the whole time that our cow was pregnant, we just kind of prayed for a smooth and easy delivery. And it's been so funny. Every person who we tell our cow's going to have a calf to, they always, same question, you know, are you gonna are you gonna deliver the calf? Did, did you have to pull it out with a rope? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. I think everybody's seen like Alaska, the Last Frontier, or the Discovery Channel, or something where they see somebody pulling a, a calf out with a rope, and it's like, did you have to do that? You're like, oh my goodness! Thank God, no. I mean, that does happen, but yeah, uh, I, I I was there and I knew the signs to look for, which which the presentation that the calf was coming out. And I, as soon as I saw that that was okay, I, I, I knew we were going to be good at that point. And yeah, you should see the hooves first, the two yeah. front. If something was wrong, I would have been calling a vet or the, the farmer down the street. There's no way I would have been trying to yank a calf out. Without, with a rope. Yeah, just because I saw it, saw Otto <laughs> do it on Alaska, the last frontier. Did but, he Did he do that? Yeah, they, yeah he did. Really? Yeah. That's, that's wild. So those things, you know, they're on TV because they need to increase, like, ratings. And those things do happen. And they're, you know, you can lose a cow over that. But that's not the norm. So we were just hoping for the norm. And right. assuming the norm. <laughs> right, right. And the norm happened. So. It happened. I, I got home from work on Friday. I went down into the woods. We have a section of woods. We'll talk about that in a second. I went down to look at her and I saw her have a contraction visibly. It was, I could see little hoofs come out and then go back in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's happening right now. Yeah. So I went up and got the family. And yeah, sometimes I just feel like things on this farm are just so blessed. It was just perfect timing. It was, Pete had just gotten home from work the whole family could just go down together. We all got to watch and experience this birth. I actually got to videotape it. It was just so awesome. It was, she was in the perfect location where we could sit and, and watch her too. It was really peaceful. It was so peaceful. So Pete, talk. you read a little bit about um, what a birth is supposed to look like beforehand. So let's talk a little bit about that. Right. So the ideal is that a cow has a section of woods to go in to give birth. So that's the ideal. And as it happens, we have that. Mm -hmm. So we gave her access to that part of the pasture. It's, it's kind of a forest edge where, where there's pasture on one side. And then if you go far in, it would be deep woods and, and there's trees and all kinds of, you know, native, native plants and herbs and shrubs and all kinds of stuff growing there. And the idea is that 
first that the cow wants to have as much privacy as possible or, or just feel a little bit more remote. And then a cow is going to eat a whole bunch of stuff while they're going through delivery and even afterwards that they would never normally eat. Right. And it's some way of self-medicating, giving themselves uh, things that they need for the delivery. It's amazing to me just how animals are so in tune with nature. Like they won't eat things that are bad for them typically. I mean, I guess sometimes they do, but they typically stay away from things that are bad for them. And then when they're in labor, they know what they need. They're just so, they're just so in tune to you know, the way that nature is supposed to work. Right. So sure enough, all day, the day of the delivery, I tried to milk her that morning, which I would do that again differently is I would, I'm, I'm probably going to try and let her dry up for a month or two before giving birth. But I hadn't done that this time. And so I went out to milk her and she would not come up. She just would not come up. And I was getting stressed out about that. And Kristen said, relax. She's probably getting ready to give birth. I was like, yeah, she just wants, she's probably, in, well, I, Labor takes a long time. There's those early signs of labor, and we could just kind of tell something was her something was up. So I was like, yeah. she's probably in labor. She doesn't want to leave the forest. Just let her be. And yeah, I get so I get pretty intense about stuff in life, and and one of the things Kristen does well for me is tells me to just chill out sometimes. Well, so do we. We take turns. We take turns. Okay, it's different stuff for That's sure. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but but I've learned to trust Kristen sometimes, and so she said that, and I just I, I let it go and. And uh, I was like, oh, well, hopefully this is the day she gives birth because I'm not milking her. But yeah. for pretty much a whole day, she was down in that woods just walking around. And she was all day long. She was eating all of this stuff that she'll never normally touch. Yes. I don't even know what half of it is, but she was just walking around chomping at it, sniffing at things. Yeah. There's this uh, this grass back there called bottle, bu- bottle brush grass. And it's mixed, mixed in with a bunch of other ground covers. It's a Maryland native and she normally doesn't touch it and she was devouring it. Yeah. So people keep asking how long did labor take? And when you say labor, labor can take, take days. I think we could tell that something was going on for a day, you know? Yeah. There's lots of signs. And then, so then when Pete got home from work, that's when the active, you know, the transition, the active labor started. So we all started watching cause Pete said he saw the hooves. So we all came right. down. That took about 45 minutes or where we were watching. Right. So it was just one thing that we read was cows kind of do this process of standing up and laying down to kind of help the baby descend, to help labor happen. And if you've ever had a natural labor, so I know that for me, I have to walk around when I'm in labor. I have to walk to just kind of help things progress. And that's what she was doing, standing up, laying down. So finally, cows actually get birth laying down, which I didn't know, but a friend told me the day before, which was great because I saw her lay down for good. And I was like, I'm getting the camera. It's happening. So... Then the baby came out, and it was a little scary because the baby came out in the sack, which yeah. you don't really want for a human of a baby. But yeah. I kind of whispered to you, "Is that okay?" And you said, "Yeah, that's normal." And then um, the and baby they look lifeless. Yeah, just I mean, if you if you there. watch a video of a cow giving birth, or if you've seen one that before, they they look lifeless when they come out. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, this is it a stillbirth? I, I mean, was scared that the baby was dead. Yeah. I said, "Pete," and you said, "No, I saw the head. I saw yeah, the head move. I saw the head move, and that was exciting." Yes. And then and then literally as soon as the baby's out, uh, our dairy cow was up on her feet and taking care of. Yes. The little, the little bull calf. So we read things that could go wrong. So we were kind of, we knew what to look for. So we knew if the baby was coming out wrong, we would have called a vet right away, which didn't happen. But also a mother can sometimes not want anything to do with the baby, right. which is really bad. And you have to make the baby, and you see that on the 
TV shows, they're forcing the baby to nurse. And again, these things are not the norm. Yeah, I they think are, even that is probably more common with a first-time heifer. Yes. And this is her second baby. So we knew. And she had done well with the first. We knew that. So She was the most majestic, confident, capable mother I've ever seen. <laughs> so yeah. she got up. She started licking. She licked the baby clean, and she just made him stand up right away, which was just, she got, I mean, it was so cute. Like he's just fumbling and, um, you know, falling over and she did not, she made him stand right up. She got him nursing within about a half an hour. And that was one of the things talk about how a baby calf has to nurse within 24 hours. Right. So this, yeah, this is really interesting. So a baby calf has to nurse within 24 hours, maybe 36 at the most. And they're getting the initial colostrum that comes out of the mama cow and if they don't get that, it's going to be a sickly cow for the rest of its life. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a small sickly cow that'll never really reach what it could have been without it because that initial colostrum inoculates the baby cow's digestive system for the rest of its life. Mm-hmm. It's con- it contains like this massive number of microorganisms that inoculate the baby cow's digestive system and then it's good to go from that point. So it's like crucial that the cow gets that. Yes. Everything I read says that. And so if for some reason the calf doesn't do that, like last, uh, la- you know, last case scenario would be, would be milking the cow myself and bottle feeding it. Like it absolutely has to have that. Right. So that's one thing you do want to watch for. You want to make sure the mom and the calf are bonding and nursing. And she got, she made him stand up. He kept falling over and she kept nudging him and nudging him and making him stand up. And she got him nursing within about a half an hour. And we just got to watch and encourage her. And she was so majestic and it was just a beautiful experience. It was amazing. Yes. Oh, and he's a little boy. We named him Toby. It's really funny to see this majestic mother of this little male calf. He's just so uh, energetic, and he's always running around. And yeah, he runs around. He's bucking and spinning in circles. Yeah, and she's, it's just so funny seeing her, this you know majestic mother eating in the pasture and her baby running all over. And then he saw a rabbit at one point <laughs> and just took off trying to like destroy it, I guess. And then he got so fired up. He was just running around. I think he was, he was excited that he, he almost got a rabbit. Yeah. And then she'll moo at him if he gets too far and then he'll come running back to her. And it's just funny watching her with this little wild boy. Right. Yeah. We're going to make him a steer, not a bull. We, we don't really have space for a bull here. We'll and talk about the difference. Most people don't know this. Right. So a steer has been castrated mm-hmm. and it makes the cow way more docile, mm-hmm. way more docile. A bull, you would you would want a bull if you're going to be using it to you know get the other cows pregnant, which we're not going to do. And some people do raise bulls for meat. There, if you, I guess if you get the timing right on it and everything, you can get more meat that way, and it's supposed to be really good. But we're going to do a steer here. A little yeah, I don't family homestead. need a bull charging at me. Right. And uh, then the other thing, no. we had the vet come out and she dehorned him, mm-hmm. which was not fun because we had to separate him from the mama cow who was not happy about that. Yeah. She was really that not was happy hard. about that. I did, that, was real, that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to yeah. be watching that. And then they sedate him and take the horns out while they're, you know, they're, they're basically little nubs right now. Yeah. And that was... Not great. I and mean, a lot of people don't believe in dehorning, but we just know that we couldn't have a cow with horns on the property with children and 
pe- it just isn't safe. Right. If we had a, a little dairy, even the, the the female cows, the heifers will have horns too in the dairy breeds, and I'd be more open to that. They're hollow, and apparently they they have some use to the cow that we don't really even know what it is yet. But uh, for a, a male cow, it's a weapon. Yeah, that's so, why they have horns. You know, safety is really important. <laughs> so, right. so we had the horns pulled off, and that was pretty stressful to the calf. Although, uh, I think he seemed to recover really quickly. Yeah, it, the hardest thing was just watching the mom. She does not want to be separated from. She is so maternal. She didn't just the look on her face. She was so mad. Right. So <laughs> I had read. You know, everybody does things differently about milking the cow and. I just decided I'm not going to separate them. We have this little area right next to the milking stanchion that is kind of separated, and the calf can walk right into that and lie down and be next to the mama the whole time I'm milking her. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I'm doing. It's been incredibly peaceful. Well, one question that we keep getting is people say, oh, are you not getting any milk because the calf is taking the milk? And it's the opposite. We are getting so much milk. Right. Well, we have a brown Swiss, and they've been bred to give milk. I mean, they give a lot of milk, a lot, a lot of milk. And so a little baby calf can't keep up with that. Mm-hmm. So we've been getting three gallons a day, even though the calf is with the mama, you know, 24 hours. So Yeah, we haven't even separated them yet. Right. And I don't plan on separating them until until we're not getting any milk. I mean, yes. there's no reason to. We're, we're getting three gallons a day right now. Yeah, and the calf is getting all... He needs, there's just so much abundance of milk. Right. So I talked to the farmer who we got the cows from originally, and he said, don't even worry about milking her for the first 24 hours, and then you want to do it. Really try at that point, and then and then certainly within 36, she has to be milked. Because she's producing so much milk, the calf can't take it all. Mm-hmm. Because she's, you know, she's, she's a dairy breed, and they give out a lot of milk. So anyway, 24 hours comes around. And I bring her up into the, the cow stall and I get her chained, you know, I hook a chain up to her collar and the calf is next to her and she's clearly really, really unhappy. I mean, she just seems so uncomfortable. She was, she kept like kicking and scratching at her belly with her front hooves and her back hooves. And I was looking at her udder and, and the teats had these little tiny uh, cuts on them, I well, guess, from the baby trying yeah, to, to the, learn how to nurse or something. Yeah, the baby's learning how to nurse and it's not always pretty. Right. <laughs> so she was so uncomfortable and her udder was huge. I mean, I've never seen it that big. And so I'm just trying to relieve pressure. I don't even care about getting the milk at this point. I'm just trying to relieve pressure on her. I don't even bother bringing a bucket with me or a pail with me. And I'm just trying to get under there to, to like let enough pressure out that she's okay. And she's kicking the whole time. And I'm like, I'm full of adrenaline (sighs) because I've never seen her this uncomfortable before. I don't, I don't ever worry about getting kicked by her, but I've never seen her like this before. So I'm afraid she's going to kick me. So I'm, I'm trying to be careful. And the first thing that happens is I go down I go down next to her to milk her, and I just feel this like wet slap against my head. And it was her, her tail, and somehow she had gotten like this huge amount of poop stuck in the end of her tail, and it and and cervical mucus was oh. all there. Oh and this gosh. thing just slapped and wrapped around my head, and I was I had my head covered in poop and, well, no, and cow cervical mucus. Yeah, and that's not the norm. That's because she had just had a baby the day before, and oh, things were gross. still cleaning out. And we did not drink that milk. Clearly, we just he was just yeah milking it into the ground. But right. oh. so yeah, I think that was like <laughs> I, I went to the next level at that point of homesteader. Now that I've had cow poop and cervical mucus wrapped around yeah, my head. Yeah, you are legit. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> I was I got I got kicked a few times 
not a cow will kick to the side. Like he, a horse kicks behind them. A cow doesn't do that. A cow kicks to the side. She wasn't doing that. She, she was just really uncomfortable. So she kept kicking at her stomach and, uh, she kicked me a few times and I did end up getting a bunch of pressure off. I feel like I just gotten enough off and then she was done and she literally ripped the chain out of the wall and ran off. <laughs> so we've never had a dairy cow before. We're not. Sometimes I wonder if our dairy cow is a good dairy cow or a bad dairy cow. I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> she's just, she's really sweet she's and wonderful, but she is, she, you don't mess with her. Yeah. I hear people tell these stories about how they have their dairy cow so calm they can milk it out in the field. I'm like, are you kidding me? She would never let me milk her. Our cow, the field. she's she's just really confident, and she just knows what she wants, and she you don't mess with her. Yeah, she's <laughs> she kind of stubborn. I feel like sometimes she doesn't do things just because I'm trying to get her to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't care, but she doesn't want to do what I'm saying. But she's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's getting more docile. She's still really young. This is her second calf. Um, yeah, but anyway, the next day I did the same thing. I was, uh, and it was. It was way better. And, yeah. then, and then by the third day, it was kind of back to normal. And she was, you know, I was able to get, you know, milk in the pail. And, yeah. well, and she it, was really calm again. Yeah, it was a lot going on. And it, she was just really uncomfortable. Right. So. so I'm really enjoying it now because that's actually the time that I get to be really close to the calf. The calf just sits there next to me, lies down next to me the whole milking time. And it just feels really peaceful and happy again in the morning. And and like we said, we're getting three gallons. Oh, so the story of our life is fencing issues. So we had fencing set up for two large cows because when our cows came to us, they were both large. Right. So that means a three rung fence Mm -hmm. with a single line of electric that goes along it. Right. And that's mostly wood, some PVC. Yeah. So (laughs) the other day or a week and about a half a week, so like five days after the calf was born, I go out to my herb garden. So I have this little half acre area and it's totally fenced off. The cows can't get to it. And I've been growing my herbs from seed. And I, I talked about that. I had, I grew about, I don't know, 270 herbs. This has been Kristen's main project all yes. spring. And I've been, I haven't been the most relaxed. Per- this is where I've been stressed. So yeah. you've been stressed about the cow. I've been stressed about my herbs. Yeah. She's been a little stressed. Well, you want it to work Maybe a so lot. badly. Yeah. <laughs> so I go out every day and I check on all my herbs and just make sure that they're all, cause they start out so little and you want to make sure that a piece of mulch didn't fall over. Yeah. When you're growing or- seeds, they go through this, this early period where they're very fragile yeah, so, and then they get, you know, they get a lot bigger and stronger. So but. I go out and check on them every day. So about five days after the calf was born, I go out to my little herb garden to just check on everything and I'm walking around and I'm not a detail oriented person. So sometimes it takes me a long time to realize when things are not the way they're meant to be. Like, Talk about when your car got broken. In. Yeah. And when we lived in, when we first got married, my car got broken into and I was driving this up. This is something that happens in Baltimore. You know, if you're not around Baltimore, you might not know, but, but yeah. at least once in your life, you have to have your car broken in and your bike stolen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I was going to daily mass one morning. So I get in the car and I'm driving to daily mass and I'm looking around and I'm like, huh, why is the glove department open? Huh, what what's all over what's that stuff on the back seat? And I'm driving and I'm like, why does it sound like my window's down? And then finally I get to church and I realize like the window's broken, the back window's broken, and there's just stuff everywhere all Her over the car. Her car had been ransacked. The there car was, was glass ransacked. everywhere and an open window. <laughs> and it took me to my drive to church <laughs> to realize that the car had been... But the whole time I'm like, huh, that's weird. Huh, that. So it was kind of the same thing. I walk out into my herb garden and I'm like, huh, 
Why is the fence rung down? That's weird. Huh. Why is there cow poop all over the, my, my herb garden? And then all of a sudden it like hit me that there was like a mess. It was in chaos. Like, so the cows, what happened was the little cow, well, you can explain this. So it's a three rung fence and like the dogs can easily get through the first and second rung. They can just walk through it. Well, so can a baby calf. I mean, the baby calf is the size of a large dog. He's probably like 80 or 90 pounds when he was born which is, it's big for a calf. I mean, it's a brown Swiss breed, so it was a very big calf, but he's still small enough. He can walk right through the fences. Yes. And so he had walked through the fence and then mama cow's not going to be separated. Yes. So this happened to be an area that there was no electric on the fence. And she just busted through. She just went right through it. Cause she's not going to leave him. So normally she would not do that. It's never been an issue, but since her baby went, she just went through. So they just like it, they kind of ransacked my herb garden. And so I have herbs all along the fence and I had mulch kind of all around pushed away and they ran along the, you could tell where they had been because there was poop and there was mulch that had been just trans plants that were trampled on. So they ate my butterfly bushes. They trampled on my seedlings, trampled on my plants. And so picture me, I'm already stressed about my herbs. I was so upset when I looked yeah. around and I saw this. It just looked like mass destruction. Kristen called me up sobbing. I was just crying. I was like, the cows just ruined everything. And I was I was so upset. And then on top of that, my um, my best friend, she she comes over often. She has we've been best friends from high school, and then she had all boys, my boys' ages, so everybody gets a buddy. And I called her and I was like, You guys can't I'm sorry I can't have you over today. I'm so stressed out. My the cows Got into they trampled my seedlings. I was a wreck. Then you know I call her back because I felt terrible and I'm like, never mind. You know I'll, I'll get over it. You can come over. And she said, I told my boys you would probably call back in ten minutes and tell us we could come <laughs> over. But they came over and I'm still this ball of just stress. So they come over and it's kind of like when you have all those little boys together, it's just you know I don't know a tornado basically. Yeah. So I'm this like just on edge, stressed out person the whole time. And, um, it turned out that I really, I went out and I, a lot of the seedlings bounced back. So I could have lost everything, but I only actually lost only a couple plants. It wasn't as bad as it seemed, but I definitely had a day of just, I just felt like despair. And I mean, I've been working on these little seedlings we feel since March. Deeply. Yeah. yeah. And that was your big project. That was my big, it was like my that big project had failed, but and luckily. I, yeah. It, but I'm at work and I'm like, oh my gosh, the baby cow is just going to walk through the fence in the, into the reservoir or, or into the neighbor's house or, or go out into the street. So I'm like really stressed out at that point. I'm like, I have to fix the fence now. I'm sitting here in a cubicle. Yes. Anyway, we do have a section of fence that's uh, a pasture that's way more secure. So I put them in that for a couple days and then ran a second line of electric that's right in between those two those two slats in the yeah. fence. And that seems to have done the trick. So the, the, ba- the baby calf is now already trained to the electric and knows that it doesn't want to go near it. Yeah, it's just hilarious. Like, I feel like the, the most of what we do on this property is fencing for the different animals. It has been, yeah. yeah. I think that's, and that's probably, I mean, unless you have a perfect fencing system already, if you're going to get cows or any kind of livestock, it's just fencing is the thing that... Yeah, I will say from what That's I've hard. heard, it seems like cows are a lot easier to fence in than something like goats. Yeah, I have no interest artists. in doing goats. So I know yeah. some people love goats. I don't want to offend the goat people, but 
just the fencing project alone would <laughs> yeah. probably be enough to stop me. So anyway, the end of the story, my herbs, I only lost a couple. Most of them survived. I was, I actually had to go out and literally undig them because the cows had knocked all the mulch and over top of the herbs, but I, I, you know, moved the mulch and the, the herbs have bounced back. So we're okay. It was just a very dramatic day for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Right. Yeah. So we've been homesteading for two years now, and we implemented a lot of things. I think we've spent more time implementing animal systems than plant systems, although we've got a you know a ton of trees planted and stuff too. And it's been an exciting week for us because now we've had all these things that we haven't bought from the store in forever. I mean, we don't buy mm-hmm. milk or butter, or yogurt, and those kind of things. And we, you know, we get our own mushrooms and we've been getting lots of herbs. I can't remember the last time we bought tea from, from the store and, and we drink herbal tea pretty much every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have freezers full of meat and it yeah. feels so exciting. It's yeah. like, I don't have to buy meat from the store anymore. I, I'm just, I'm so happy about it. It really feels like one thing after another yeah. and we're disconnecting ourselves from these, these food supply systems that we don't really think are healthy and we don't think, you know, they have lots of other problems that are more, you know, on, on the moral end and more complicated than that. And we get to, to get to return to doing it the way that our grandfathers and great grandfathers did it and, and be a part of it, get the full nutrition from it, have it right. be a family experience. Yeah. It feels, it feels so great to have our, now our meat supply be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're coming into summer. So our vegetables are starting to come in, the tomatoes, the basil and all that. I've actually been freezing pesto because once you have... We love pesto. Yeah. And once you have fresh pesto with real ingredients, I, nothing from the store compares. So in the winter, there's just not a lot of great tasting food. So what I've been doing is um, making a lot of pesto and just freezing it. So that way, all winter, we can eat pesto. So that's been just really fun. And it's just been... It's so good. I've also just been drying a lot of herbs. So that way, we have fresh herbs or you know, dried herbs in the winter. And it's funny because I've been drying a lot of oregano and sage. And when you buy things like dried oregano from the store, it comes in that little tiny container. And I just have huge mason jar filled with dried oregano to use. So yeah. that's it's just been wonderful. It's incredible the output of these herbs too. I mean, they, yeah. they produce a ton. Yeah, I can't even keep up with it all. I feel, and I'm not going to stress about that. I'm just doing what I can do. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I think that, you know, we've, we've kind of gone out and we're planting hundreds and hundreds of herbs. And I think with just a small section of herbs, you could probably produce all your own tea and a lot of your cooking herbs and things like that. Yes. So we have been, it has been nonstop. It's been so busy around here, but we're just having so much fun. It's been a blast. Yeah. So the other funny story is we had the Catholic Review come out. Well, people who don't know, so in our in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, there's like a Catholic newspaper. It's so, a magazine, yeah. Or magazine, I don't, whatever. It's called the Catholic Review, and they wanted to come out and do a story on just our our podcast, I guess. Right. So that's that sounded really honoring, <laughs> and like, wow, that's really cool. They want to come out and interview us. And, oh, I'm and so stuff. embarrassed. So. so they came <laughs> out, and it was fun. I mean, it was it was three people, and they were they were really really excellent. Yeah, they were nice people. Yeah, and they, one lady took my older sons, and my older sons gave a tour, and they, I don't know, showed her everything, and she was videotaping. 
But right. So while we're doing the podcast, we our kids will watch a show, and that's kind of how we make it work. Mm-hmm. So it's fun for them; they get to watch a show, and then we can we can be here recording. And and, and it's more natural. Like we're just talking just the two of us. And we kind of have an idea of what we're going to say. Right. So they came out and interviewed us. And for some reason we were like, well, let's just let the kids be with us. You know? Yeah. We'll, bad we'll idea. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, I don't know. So the kids were harassing us the whole time. I think, uh, my little two year old said, I'm hungry, maybe 874 yeah, times. We, we, so our kids are, they tell us they're hungry all the time. So we gave them a lot of food before these people came. And we said, this is your food. Do not ask us for food while the people are here. Right, but they go through this phase where I'm hungry isn't actually related to food. It's, it's just, just a cry for attention or yes. something. Yes, so our two-year-old, you can't really reason with him. So they're interviewing us, on, and we're being videotaped, and it's hard enough to answer questions off the cuff. So when I, I didn't have any time to like think about it or prepare, I, some of the things that were coming out of my mouth, I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I just say? But at the same time, I can't really think because my two-year-old is just climbing all over us going, I'm hungry, I'm right. hungry. I don't even know how they're going to use any of that yeah, footage. Hopefully they're really good at editing. So that was kind of embarrassing, but you know... You win some, you lose some. Yeah, it was still a lot of fun to have him come out. And, and <laughs> I know, but I'm like, I'm not watching that interview. I'm going to be so embarrassed. <laughs> I don't even know what, some of the things that I said. I'm like, oh my, I don't even know what I was saying. Yeah. So whatever, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. What are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> so it's been 40 minutes, so we should probably wrap this up. But we've been we've been having so much fun. It's been very stressful and adventurous and exciting, and it's it's working. It's working. I think a number of these things, at least the way that we're constructed, we can only get there by walking through some stress. Mm -hmm. That's just going to be a part of it. That's part of learning and feeling like things are out of control and you don't understand what's going on. And I hope my cow doesn't run down the street because they broke out of the fence kind of situation. And that's just part of, of doing this is getting stressed out sometimes and then growing up and learning more. And Yeah, but then when you're sitting down to your steak dinner and your pesto... Yeah, it's all worth it. It's totally worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Bye.